Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from HomeLoanExpert.com. Studios, Ryan Kelly and his great staff, the sponsor of the studios on the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. If you're in the market to buy a home or refinance, make sure that you're doing business with the Home Loan Expert online at the Home Loan Expert. Dot com. Not only can he save you money, he puts his money where his mouth is when it comes to his charity donations. And once again, Ryan Kelly doing the Baton Death March and raising money. That's what he does. He continues to work and work with the community to be a part of the community, and he saves people money. Go online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Type in refinance or purchase. You just click on one or the other and then see how much money you can save. See if you can afford the home of your dreams or see if you can save money on that home of your dreams already by refinancing. Go online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Homeloanexpert.com, the sponsor of the studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. Joining me, as always, for questions from the audience, ladies and gentlemen, Iggy and the Plowhawk. Gentlemen, good morning. Morning, Tim. How are you? Wonderful, boys. Wonderful. Uh... Plowhawk, they have all kinds of questions for us today, and uh, the people want to hear your answers. And so we will begin with this one. Uh, Most memorable date in your love life experience. Most memorable date in your love life experience. Plowhawk, we know about your story of uh, engaging uh, on the top of a, what was like a Trans Am in front of a burning bush or something. I felt like I was watching a docking video, but what was it? There was something like that? Oh, uh, no, there was a burning hay bale shortly before I uh, commenced coitus with uh, my buddy's cousin, who may or may not have been watching at the time of that happening as well. A local fire station came out and put out the little blaze, and uh, all in all, a great time. So I don't know if I can beat that. I don't. I wouldn't consider that necessarily a date. Um, you know, I didn't really necessarily wine and diner. Um, I would have to say uh, I took a. It was right after I graduated high school, right before college. So that nice summer, right before uh, you go to college, me and uh, the girl, obviously an ex now, went to Indiana Beach for the weekend. I don't know if you've heard. It's a really fun place. Uh, it's nice, cheap lodging. Uh, they have like an amusement park out there. You can, we rented boats and 
boat and tubed uh, for, I think, three days. Went to the, I think, a casino out there. And it was a lot of fun. I don't, I mean, I, I guess that would be considered a day, a whole weekend. But um, nonetheless, we had a great time. Again, still a friend, but now an ex. But that was probably, I guess I would say, the best date I've done. Obviously, me and Madison, my current girlfriend, will have plenty in the future. But as of right now, going to Indiana Beach when graduating high school, I think, is number one on my list right now. Indiana Beach. Iggy, I would imagine you've got a <laughs> number of them that you yeah. can kind of throw out there. What, what, what would be uh, the leader in the clubhouse? Uh, God. I mean, most of my memorable dates is when I was younger. Um, there's a few I can think of. One would be, um, and I, I think I've said this before, though. There's, I've only been in love with one girl in my entire life. Um, and that was Laura from Nebraska. So probably my most memorable date, and I remember because it was so relaxing and, and kind of romantic, but I'd never been in Nebraska before the first time I went up there to see her, <clears throat> to see her, and that's when we went to that cattle auction on a Saturday. Um, but that Friday night when I flew in, and she picked me up at the airport, came back, met her parents, and she took me to this, I guess it was maybe one of the the local hangouts in Omaha, and it was just like an outdoor bar with, you know, nothing special about it. You know, there were benches and wooden tables and uh, a bunch of like, almost like Christmas lights hanging from the, the, you know, from the rafters. And we just sat there and just had cocktails and just had a, had a great night. It was just kind of cool and uh, got to know each other a lot better and um, went back to her parents' house. I guess her parents were sleeping and I was going to sleep on the couch because they didn't have another bedroom. And um, so I just, you know, gave her a kiss said Look forward to seeing you in the morning for the cattle auction. And I guess she wasn't worried about her parents because she just walked out and had her underwear on and just came on top of me on the couch. And that's how we ended the night. But it was just, it was kind of, uh, I guess you could say cute of where we went because I had, you know, obviously I'd seen her in the Ozarks a few times and we talked all the time. And, but then when I finally got to go fly and meet her and her parents, um, it was just kind of cool the night that she took me out there. And the other one would be Anna Cardente. She, um, <laughs> when I flew to Jersey, uh, she had booked this reservation when I told her I was coming. I booked the flight a couple months in advance and she had, she booked this table. I believe the name of the restaurant, and I don't know if it's still there, was called Shanghai Reds in Jersey and it was right on the Hudson River. And you had to book these tables long in advance to get a table on the river. Um, and she did. And we had a nice romantic dinner right on the, uh, Right on the uh, Hudson River, so that was kind of uh, cool. So that was probably my most two. Nothing spectacular, just the two that stand out. Anna Cardente and Laura from Nebraska. Laura Patterson, if anybody knows where she is. Last I heard, she was married, living in Colorado, and she's a lawyer, I believe. I could see, I could see her streaming this. <laughs> settle, I can't find her on Facebook, I don't know. Questions from the audience? Um, God, I, it, it's, a, it's a good question. Uh you know, I mean, from a fun standpoint, I would always enjoy when I would be in Las Vegas and an evening would wind up at the stag bars. But the truth is, I, you know, like date, when I think of date, I have been in since 1995, nothing but relationships, nothing but relationships. I don't even know if I've gone on a date just with like a, like a one-off, so to speak, in general. I, yeah, I guess I did like in Little Rock when I was starting out on TV, but I don't, it's always an odd thing when I look back on it. I mean, at this point, you know, I mean, the ship has, uh, 
happily sailed, but it's 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 really kind of an odd thing because I didn't experience that. So I don't I don't know. So like it would always be with, uh, you know, somebody I was with, and then if the night wound up at the stag bar after like four or five hours of drinking in Las Vegas, that usually would be a great night. But I realize when somebody asks about a date, they're talking about like you know just the early stages of a courtship and, and trying to see what happens and how it really went. But that's not how any of my relationships have gone. Uh, and I'm trying to think. I mean, that... Well, I guess even as a married guy, Tim, I mean, you have date nights. So if you and Anna Marie went out to a nice romantic dinner and... You yeah, know. but I mean, with, and respectfully to, to that, that those, aren't, those aren't anything anybody's going to be, like, writing home about. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. Just, when, when you see, like, people, like Anna Marie talks about it, we never want to be the couple that's, like, so happy we're just away from the kids that we like post on Facebook, go oh, date night tonight. And we're like <laughs> sitting at PF Chang's or something. You know, if it's gotten to that point, the, uh, the worm has turned in a major direction that, that isn't what we, uh, set out for. So, uh, Las Vegas usually is a very happy place. I suppose, uh, I'm currently talking with you guys from Florida. By the time this airs, I'll probably be back in St. Louis. Uh, but we're certainly very happy when we're down here. Uh, no question about it. But yeah, those nights in Las Vegas that I think about where they wind up at the stag bar and you're walking out. And I guess when I think about when you're walking out and the sun is up, that's a monster buzzkill. It's the worst. I realize it's now become known as Varsity Blues because uh, that happened in the uh, award-winning film Varsity Blues. I think that was 1999 where they leave the stag bar. And it's uh, it's the sun has risen, and because you're in a great spot, you have no idea that the sun's out until you're walking toward the door, and you can see the sunlight cracking under the door, and then right then you are sucked like through a black hole into the reality of oh my god, it's got to be after six or seven in the morning, and now I'm going to pay for this night more than the financial expenditure that I've already had. Uh, I'm going to be paying for it for the next couple of days to get it right, but. For those five or six hours that you were there, uh, especially if you're in Las Vegas, you're you're running like Phil Ivey and enjoying the hell out of yourself. But the, so so people are probably thinking, oh, did you go to like you know this restaurant and then did you fall in love? And I'm like, yeah, that that I suppose those things have happened. But the things that stand out to me more would be with significant others at stag bars in Las Vegas. There is there is my official answer, which is of course the antithesis of romantic. Now here's one. Uh, that was posted, and even though you gentlemen do not have children, Iggy, it looks like that's probably not something that's going to happen. Plowhawk, it's something that is going to be happening likely in the next couple of years, it seems to me, if I'm reading my, my tea leaves yeah, properly. Yeah, four or five, probably, just to get uh, <laughs> my gal a better bankroll, you know, so I can be a stay-at-home dad. Oh, there you go, <laughs> Mr. Mom, Michael Keaton. But, but we all can answer it. Uh, thoughts on the young tyke, so making reference to my son, as he learns to talk and then cursing in front of him, and then abstinence, abstinence versus teaching him how to curse properly. So I think the, the question is not about sex per se, but just about cursing and whether or not you don't curse in front of him or teach him about cursing. So having uh, a son now who you may have heard in the first 10 minutes of this podcast in the background, Anna Marie has since taken him upstairs, uh, who is starting to not talk but make sounds, and he's getting to the point now where he's moving, not crawling or walking, but moving that we can't just, just can't put him on the couch and like not expect him to like 
start going all over the place. That's where he is in his development at six months. Uh, I personally have never understood why certain words that are not demeaning to a group of people, i.e. racial slurs, have been empowered to the point that if someone were to say the word fuck on a terrestrial radio station or, of course, television station, that he or she could lose their job. That strikes me as just really odd. Now, I recognize that it is a rule. I recognize that it is a law of the Federal Communications Commission, but I don't understand it. Now, since I recognize it, I don't like challenge it because I know what the repercussions would be, but I don't understand it. If Jameson starts talking and he starts using the word fuck at like the age of three, even though personally, for me, personally, I wouldn't have a problem with it, which I know, oh, what a horrible parent already, I'll hear that. I Because I just don't, I don't think it matters. I also recognize, similar to the FCC thing, that he would deal with repercussions from an outside third party because he's saying it. So, along those lines, the way that I think I'm going to parent, and then I'm sure there are plenty of people who are already deep into the parenting game listening and going, oh, that's what you think now, and that'll change. Uh, kind of like when I got married and people say, oh, you'll stop talking about porn then, and how about that whole, how about that whole, how about that whole deal? So I believe that the way I will want to raise him, and if we have any other children, will always be explanation as opposed to acting like something isn't happening. To me, that's the healthiest way to go about doing it, in my opinion. But, I mean, I haven't been to the destination yet, so it's also relatively insignificant to pontificate on it as if I've been there. I'm from a curse-friendly household where, you know, my parents did curse around me at a young age. But I think you you hit the nail on the head at the end of uh, what you were saying was, I mean, you just got to have discipline and your kid has got to know when to say these things when not to, what's the appropriate situation. And because you don't want parents to start tattling or kids to start tattling on your kid about using profane language in a group setting or what have you. So you got to pick the place when and where. And my parents have just advocated that I use it appropriately, you know, that I don't say it around people who, you know, may, you know, take offense to anything. So my parents cussed around me at a young age. I I openly cuss around them, but obviously I still, even as almost a 30-year-old, I make sure that I use it appropriately and not try to embarrass themselves or try to diminish what their parenting skills are. So I, I think it's a give or take. And to have to avoid cursing at all around your kids or not to have your kids develop curse words from school or something like that, it, that's ridiculous. It, it's going to happen. Just teach them the appropriate places and what to say and when to say it. That would be me. Thank you. What you got? Well, I come from a different viewpoint because I don't have any kids, um, but I do have, you know, 19 nieces and nephews and I don't cuss in front of them because that's not up to me to say it's OK if you cuss. That's up to their mom and dad. And so I just err on the side of caution. I'm not going to say fuck or shit and, you know, cocksucker in front of my nieces and nephews. Um, now, if their moms and dads do, I know they cuss, but they probably don't in front of them. So I'm not going to. Um, but as a kid, you know, I was, I was raised Catholic and going to a Catholic school. So I knew when my mom, you know, didn't like cussing. And if, if I said, damn, I got in trouble. Um, 
And as you got older, you know, you hear your dad say fuck or whatever, you know, then it's no big deal once you got older. But just the way I was raised that, you know, good Catholic boys don't cuss. And if I would cuss in school, I would have gotten smacked with a ruler. Um, so that's the way I was brought up and not having kids, you know, how my nieces and nephews raise or my sisters, my brothers, my niece, my nephew raise my great nieces and nephews. Um, that's not up to me, whether are you going to let them cuss because there's nothing wrong with it. That's up to them, but I don't cuss when I'm in front of them. Um, and I'm with you on the FCC thing. I mean, you can't say fuck, but you can say frick or you can say F you. Well, you, you know what you mean. If you say frick, you know, you mean fuck. So why can't you say the word, but it's okay to say another word, meaning the words you can't say, you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, I totally do. I mean, I, like I said, I've, I've never understood it. This is something Doug and I always disagree on because uh, it's, 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 it's a word that is not like triggering some kind of historical significance, uh, i.e. racial slur. I don't get it. But, but again, I think, you know, puritanical America with the issues with sexual comfort is something that is just always going to be on not necessarily an island, but certainly in the minority. Uh, here's a question that if I answer it honestly, it's going to rub people the wrong way. Uh, and if I answer it politically correct, uh, people will give me pats on the ass. But uh, unfortunately, I'm just going to answer it honestly uh, and then experience criticism, I guess, for being honest. But this is the truth. If you grew up in St. Louis and were graduating from the University of Missouri or Illinois this May, would you move back and pursue work in St. Louis or would you seek employment elsewhere? Uh, the honest answer is Instacall elsewhere. And that's, that's, that's just that's truthfully how I feel. Um, and I hate that that's how I feel, but it's how I feel. I know that there are some supporters of, of the city of St. Louis, it seems to be city in particular, not region, but city, that are kind of uh, aggressive with their support and then go after you if you're not supportive. Um, and so I'd like to think that I have some credibility in this in that I have had opportunities to go elsewhere uh, multiple times. And I stayed because I love St. Louis. Um, that's my personal experience. And both of those decisions happened either in my late 20s or early 30s, the ones that were true job offers. And, and one was Denver, one was New York. Uh, if I were 22 or 23, uh, and I'm a college graduate, that's, that's, that's the, the way the question was framed, a college graduate from Missouri or Illinois uh, I would, I would move to, if I, if the opportunities were equal, um, which also is a, that's a supposition because I would imagine no matter what the opportunities, not no matter what, but there's a better chance the opportunities will be more plentiful in other places, which is one of the reasons why I would advocate going somewhere else. I think, uh, I think that's helpful to someone's development to experience things outside of hometown and, uh, and just the reality is, for whatever reason, it could be a three-hour podcast, uh, but it's just not, right now anyway, the greatest place for uh, young professionals versus a Chicago, Dallas, uh, New York, South Florida, Atlanta, L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Denver, 
whatever the case might be in that realm. So that's what I'm talking about. Now, if we're talking apples to apples, different situation. But that's personally where I'm coming from. For me, with my career, they used to laugh about me at the University of Missouri in, at KOMU, the University of Missouri Journalism School television station there, because Brian Nooner, who is the sports director, Chris Trevino's taken over for him since, used to say, you're going to have these offers and you're going to turn everything down because all you want to do is work in St. Louis, which for me was the truth. My goal was to get to St. Louis in television by the time I was 30. That's that's what I recall saying when I was in Columbia and when I got to Little Rock. And I remember people would laugh when I would say that. And I don't know if they were laughing because they were thinking, oh, you think you're going to get to St. Louis? Or if they thought that I was setting the bar too low, I don't know. And keep in mind, that was like 1999, so nearly 20 years ago. Um, so that's how much I wanted to be in St. Louis, personally. But if the question is putting myself in the place of a 22 or 23-year-old who just graduated from college, and that's important, those distinctions are important, uh, then I personally would advocate uh, going to somewhere else, and really even somewhere potentially overseas. And I'm not anybody who's been overseas. My, my travels extend as far north as Canada, as far south as Aruba, and as far west as California, and as far east as Florida. So it's not like I'm well-traveled. But uh, I just I think that so often one of the things that has played a role in St. Louis's issues is a resistance to outsiders' uh, opinions and or the fact that a lot of people from St. Louis haven't spent a lot of time anywhere else but the region. And uh, so it becomes a form of an echo chamber. So while I know that this honest answer uh, will get criticism and piss people off, uh, it's truthfully how I feel, and it's not an indictment of St. Louis so much as a belief that living in a variety of places uh, can actually help one's uh, perspective for if and when he or she does want to return to St. Louis right around the age of 30, which it seems so many people do. I mean, there's this kind of standard progression. Go to the University of Missouri, move to Lincoln Park in Chicago, and then right around the time you want to settle down, come back to St. Louis. I feel like that applies to a number of people who are probably listening right now or they know somebody who has that exact same uh, progression. And even that, that allows you a few years uh, to see a different perspective where people aren't asking and prejudging you based on, you know, what high school you went to. And uh, that's, just, that's, just a, that's just an honest answer that will certainly be unpopular. And you can email me at tmckernan at InsideSTL.com with your criticism of my opinion. And you are welcome to yours. There is my answer. Boys? Well, seeing as I was 22 and decided to pick St. Louis over a lot of destinations, um, I, it's hard for me to say I would have picked another place because, you know, I, I mean, I, I work at a, a fun radio show. With a, I made a lot of good friends down here, met my girlfriend down here. So it's hard for me to, you know, regret anything that I've done as far as moved down to St. Louis. But I think as far as opportunities are concerned, if you're 22 and you have a good degree, journalism, not necessarily a great degree to go, you know, to L.A. or San Francisco, what have you. But if you got a degree and, you know, you're wanting to try something new, I would say get out of St. Louis or avoid St. Louis. And maybe when you do have kids, it's really cheap lifestyle here in the county. So if you do want to, you know, set up shop and have kids here, absolutely. But if you're 22 or 23, I would recommend at least, you know, getting your feet wet and trying the West Coast or East Coast or what have you before you just settle into the Midwest. That's me. But I don't regret coming to St. Louis at all. 
Yeah, I was, you know, I wasn't, uh, when I got out of college, I was waiting tables. So I wasn't recruited to like the Fontainebleau in Miami. Um, but I ended up going to Bermuda when the opportunity arose. Um, so me, it's all about family and climate. Um, I had a chance to go to Bristol. Didn't want to be that far away from my family. Um, but in the business that I'm in now, over the years, I've probably turned down 40 to 50 jobs outside of St. Louis because there were places I had no intention of living. Now, if I would have, which I, none of those offers came from South. If I would have had an offer from Orlando, Tampa, Miami, I'd have been gone in a second. So to me, it, it, if it's a, it's a climate, you know, I want to be in a warm weather place where I can play golf. I can be outside all the time. Uh, and the other, op, the other um, factor is family. You know, do I want to live that far away from my family for a chance to maybe make an extra few thousand or five thousand dollars a year? Uh, and the answer was always no. I'm, that doesn't interest me. My family being this close to my family <clears throat> is more important than me making a few thousand dollars more. So in your in your um, line, Tim, I think it's 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 better because you had options where you know there were jobs that could turn into big time jobs and money, whereas me, it was just you know producer or whatever. Uh, it wasn't going to turn into I was going to be a talk show making a million dollars a year. I was going to be a program director making seventy five, a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, it was always, you know, I'm going to be a producer. I'm going to make $2,000 more going to this market compared to here. It's not worth it for me. So, no, I, 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 if I had the option and it was a place I really wanted to go, <clears throat> sure, I'd leave St. Louis and do it. But to me, going to Des Moines, Iowa and Grand Rapids, Michigan and places like this aren't any better than St. Louis. Give me a job in Miami. I'm going tomorrow. All of this is made possible by our sponsors. Without our sponsors... We got nothing, Jack. That's the reality. And James Carlton and the James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency has been with us from the very beginning. They took a bet, and we're grateful that they did make that bet six-plus months ago now with the Tim McKernan Show uh, and the Cat Chat on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Great stuff from James Carlton. He truly gets it, and that's why his business continues to grow. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton. State Farm. The number, 314-961-4800. Uh, Jim Hayes of the Cat Chat and I have visited his offices. And honestly, I thought, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll come over to your office. You know, I mean, I have an office. I don't really know if you really want to see it. But the reason he wanted us over at our office, his office was because he has a huge staff. And you really don't see that with insurance agencies. But he has a huge staff because he doesn't want anybody who call calls him to ever get voicemail. He wants them to talk to somebody directly. It's an old-school mantra from a younger guy, but he gets it, and that's really important to people. And that's why the customer service reviews at James Carlton Insurance are so positive and so enthusiastic. 314-961-4800. 314-961-4800. It's James Carlton, your State Farm Insurance agent and sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show. Couple more questions here, and questions from the audience. Uh, this one is specifically, I guess, directed to me. After spending time in both Sanibel and Jupiter, are you a West Coast or East Coast Florida guy? We've always been West Coast. I'm typing this from Fort Myers. The person says, but East Coast experience is limited. Love them both. Uh, it's actually an easy answer for me. It's the Atlantic side. 
Um, you can live, whether it be really balling hard, Palm Beach, uh, but whether it be Palm Beach Gardens, Jupiter, uh, and then be 45 minutes, depending on traffic, uh, from Fort Lauderdale, and then another, depending on traffic again, but 30 to 40 minutes from Miami, uh, you know, all, uh, you know, it's, it's Jupiter and then south to Fort Lauderdale and south to Miami. Uh, that's because I, I love, I, you're essentially having kind of three different experiences there. Jupiter's super laid back, but very nice, uh, outstanding restaurants. And then Fort Lauderdale's kind of a mix a little bit of what Miami's energy is. And then, uh, you know, Jupiter, really Palm Beach, I suppose. And then Miami's obviously in its own, own world. But to have all of that within two hours, the weather, uh, you know, that's a big thing. It, once you, once you don't experience St. Louis winters, uh, it's difficult to kind of go back. And, uh, and now that I've got this under my belt for a couple of months, it's like, wow, you know, this is pretty enticing. Uh, and then, like, apparently for the people who live down here, they're like, yeah, August is pretty brutal. But if you've lived in St. Louis, it's not really that w- much worse than August in St. Louis. So uh, from my standpoint, that's what makes the Atlantic side better than the Gulf side. You know, I, I don't think I would live in Fort Myers. I guess I wouldn't say I would, wouldn't live in Fort Myers, but... Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the equivalent of Fort Myers is from a St. Louis standpoint. I don't know if it's like a Columbia or something like that, or maybe a little bigger. I don't know if it'd be like Springfield. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, but then that's all you kind of have until you drive two and a half hours or three hours to the north of Tampa, whereas you have all of this on the Atlantic side. Uh, so that's that's an insta call uh, for me. Uh, let's see. Coming off the great Mike Claiborne strip club story in the podcast, what was your strangest remote? Iggy, I feel like this is going to be a place where you shine and shine bright like a diamond. God, I don't know. Strangest remote. I would figure you have to have, like, you know, so many, actually. Remotes? Like radio remotes? I mean, nothing really strange that pops out. Really, you wouldn't be on any of those PTs or penthouse uh, remotes? I thought that, I thought that you would be on some of those. No, I didn't get to go to any. I didn't remember doing remotes from PTs. <laughs> um, no, I mean most remotes I went at. I mean, or just do the show, and nobody really came up and did anything. Or you know, when we did post game shows from the from Cardinals, I did all of those, and I can't remember anything strange ever happening. I'm sorry, I just I I can't that think way, of hey, a honest, strange remote the policy. I'm not going to make something up. Policy. I just Paul can't Hawk, have you had one? Uh, I'm thinking of a funny one that I, I didn't witness, but I'm thinking about how funny it is. You know, there's a Dirty Dogs location inside a Home Depot. And Frank used to go out there, I think, once a month or something in the summer and would do a remote from Dirty Dogs. However, the remote wasn't necessary from Dirty Dogs. It was outside the warehouse of a Home Depot. So, like, you know, when you're a random shopper walking in, and you're wondering why Frank Cusimano is breaking down the Blues' fourth line outside of a Home Depot. I think the optics would think that may be a weird one. But I can't think of any that have been totally ridiculous and where, you know, we shouldn't have been there. I guess that's what you're looking for, like a place well, where it's, we... Well, I mean, it, I, it wasn't my question, but I guess it was based on Claiborne's story of the strip club remotes when he was hosting Amateur Nights. For me, it would be when Edmonds and I were doing the show for that one year... And a gentleman uh, had a, like, sports bar he built in his basement, and he paid Jim and I to do our show from his basement. 
Uh, couldn't have been kinder. Had probably 30 friends over there to uh, to just watch it because like, hey, I'm going to have Jim Edmonds in my house. Won't this be cool? So we'll come over. And so Edmonds and I were sitting in this gentleman's basement with 30 people sitting there watching us uh, doing the remote. And they couldn't have been cooler. Like I said, it wound up being like a sports bar. You wouldn't have even known any different. But that would be uh, the most unique one. Um, it, I, and I would think that we've had some others. I don't think we've done remotes from strip clubs. So that was a more of a nineties thing before yeah. I was doing, and I don't remember Claves, not to, not to say anything about Claves. Well, no, I, he was, I, I guess he was doing amateur nights. Yeah, he there, did so amateur nights. So the question's framed those. because it, the person asking the question doesn't realize that, that wasn't a remote, but he would host amateur nights and we did have an amateur night thing as well, but uh, we weren't hosting remotes from there. And then final one, and I guess this one would be specific to the podcast, uh, this may have been asked before, but when you mentioned Rich Eisen today, uh, it reminded me how great the interview you guys had with him on TMA was, and I think I especially liked it because I feel like there wasn't much expectation going in, especially from him, but it just kept going and going, and he really opened up. So what has been the most surprising, good and bad interview you have had on the podcast? Um Couple, there's like a variety of different ways to answer the question. The one that, for me personally, I liked the most because of what the question, the lead, the questions asking, like the biggest surprise, pleasant surprise, would be Mike Matheny. I was really hopeful that's what was going to happen with that interview. I would have put it at less than ten percent, and when it got done, I was so happy. It was the day before I was heading down to Florida. It's a big deal to me to get that interview. Um, and I wanted to talk about the things we talked about. And before we even went on the air, I could tell by his behavior that he was, I don't know if I want to say looking forward to doing the interview, but he was there to talk. And as the Sea Monster can attest to, because he was there when we were doing it, there were a number of times, and I guess if you listened to it, you could hear there were a number of times where I was kind of in the, uh, the vocal pattern you hear when somebody's wrapping up an interview, and then he would not interrupt, but he would kind of keep going. And then we would keep going for another 10 or 15 minutes on a, on a train of thought. And I loved that. I walked out of that one uh, especially satisfied. And also as the Seamaster and Nick Yale, when they're you know, Seamaster handling the audio, Nick handling the video, can attest to every time we get done, you know, I feel like we go, God, that one. It's like, so it's like to say that one was my favorite, it's, it's, it's like the analogy that people say. It's like asking me to pick my favorite child. Because we've liked so many of them, and then it almost becomes a prisoner of the moment thing that, like, the most recent one becomes the favorite. Um, I will say that the response to the Mike Claiborne one has been mind-blowing to me. That I knew the Mike Bush, I, I always had a feeling the Mike Bush one was one I wanted to do. I didn't expect it to get the kind of traffic it did. Uh, it certainly got a lot of positive feedback, but the feedback on the Mike Claiborne one is is more than any other interview we've done, which is really saying something because of the caliber of guests that we've been lucky enough to get on the show. Uh, the Mike Claiborne one, you know, that was just me and, and Claibs kind of like, hey, you want to come over to the house and, and do a podcast? And he's like, sure, I'd be honored. And then and it's just me and him sitting in my house. There's no producer. There's no videographer. It's just me and him at the dining room table here and uh, and going and I love that one. So the response to that one was uh, something else. I'm trying to think if there's one. There hasn't been one on the podcast where I was really, really, really looking forward to it, and then it was disappointing at all. That's the thing. It hasn't happened yet. Inevitably, it's going to happen, um, but it hasn't happened. 
Uh, and I'm trying to think in, in the show, the show's history, there's got to be one. I bet some of the people listening right now are like, yeah, what about this one? So I feel like there's been one where like a couple minutes in, I just kind of go, okay, that's that's fine. We're just going to let you go because I could tell that the person wasn't. And I, if I had to bet, it would have been over the phone uh, because that, 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 that's the type of thing that happens when it's over the phone. And if the person doesn't really know who we are and we're planning on ask, asking specific questions and then they're sitting there with a PR person listening in and then it gets awkward and that whole deal. Iggy, uh, I know Seamaster probably didn't have a mic in front of him. Is there one that you're thinking of? Because I feel like that's happened where I'm like, we thought we were going to get this and then we wound up getting a person who only was giving us like 10-word answers and we, pull, I pulled the plug early on it. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I'm sure there were a few, but um, I think Elizabeth Berkeley just turned out to be boring as hell. And then when yeah, you asked but, her but about we were that, told on that yeah, one we to not told. ask about showgirls in advance, and I'm not sure that we did. I think you I did. Mean, at I, the I end. really do. I don't. But if it came up, it came up like in a different way. Yeah. But it was boring because she was just talking says, about her. Don't ask about that. Then we, as, it, as the hosts, have a choice. Do we want to do the interview knowing that we're not going to be allowed to ask about it? You know? Yeah. So but leading up to that, it was boring. She's talking about her website and this. And it was boring as hell. But uh, the one I can remember that I did uh, when I was living in Springfield was Annika Sorenstam. That, I mean, her, her answers were like two words. Really? So big win last week, Annika. And uh, that gives you six for the year. I mean, you thinking player of the year already? I don't think that much ahead. All right. Well, the LPGA Tour has added four new events this year, and now you're going to some place you haven't been before. Uh, is that, that big for the tour to keep adding every year? we got to grow. After, like, third quarter, I said, I don't, know, I don't know why. You know, if somebody's in, not in a mood to talk, which is totally understandable, you might have all these things on your mind, I, would, I just would think that you know better than to even, like, you just just go. Well, can we reschedule? Yeah. You know, not not cancel, but reschedule. Because because what that does, that doesn't make you look bad, Iggy. That makes her look bad, and that makes a, a any guest that comes on and does that just look terrible. So I don't know what. what yeah, probably the, the LPGA said unless it unless it's like part of her contract with the event that she has to do them, and she's pissed she has to do them. I mean, I get that that stuff goes on, but uh, anyway, I, I we've been very we have been yeah. Uh, with with our guests, and in particular, since the question was specific to the podcast, uh, we've been incredibly lucky. But I think so much of that is when you're doing them face-to-face, there is a commitment from the guest that he or she is coming in, and they expect it to be about an hour, you know? And, and so they kind of start opening up, and it's I've loved that. I've absolutely loved uh, doing that, and I'm incredibly grateful to everybody who's been working on the podcast, uh, you boys in there, Sea Monster, Iggy, Plowhawk, and uh, Nick, for helping uh, to make that possible. Because I know it's a big process to get people in and then to, to put it all together. So uh, that'll wrap it up for this edition of Questions from the Audience. Why are we wrapping it up abruptly? Because I have another interview that I'm taping in a matter of moments. And I know that I've got to get this done in order to be able to move on to the next interview. It's going to be with Julie Stewart-Banks, as a matter of fact. Uh, but we always are grateful to the listeners for their questions, for questions from the audience, and for Iggy and the Plowhawk for partaking in questions from the audience. Thank you, boys. Always enjoy. Have fun uh, golfing this week, Timmy. God bless. Thank you. Uh, there is the Plowhawk. There is Iggy. I am Tim McKernan. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.